And we are live with our 133rd podcast episode. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by my my co-host, Seth Law, at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. We're super excited today to have Rob with us. Um, We're going to be talking privacy and social media deletion and everything that Rob's been involved with with over the last few years. Um, before we do formal introductions and dive into that, um, there are a couple of things. A, uh, we did get accepted to um, teach at Black Hat, the Secure Code Review course. If you are interested, uh, we'll po- post links up and we'll start promoting that pretty heavily here shortly. Um, but that is a place that we're actually going to teach that course again, or at least virtually teach that course, I should say. That's where they're at right now. Um, otherwise... Uh, I think everything else is online. Um, if if we should have sent out swag to you and have not, please reach out again. Um, we do like to ignore those emails more, probably more than we should. But anyway, um, Ken, I don't think there's much else to review today unless there's something else that's on your uh, on your plate or on your list. I think I've proven I can't speak very well today. So I'm just going to go <laughs> ahead and... Uh... Introduce uh, Rob, and um, we can we can go right into it. I don't have anything uh, to announce. So okay, cool, perfect, awesome. So Rob Chevelle is the CEO of Abine. Um, it is an acronym that they created. Uh, but we're having Rob on today because the product that they're that they have is pretty interesting to us. Um, the concept. And uh, so we were linked up, and yeah, we're pretty interested to hear more about sort of how you can erase yourself from social media and from the internet <laughs> and about privacy. And so this is what we're going to jump into today. But um, I think I'll have Rob, Rob, I think I'll have you sort of talk a bit about um, your background. And I'd love one thing we always ask of our guests is to kind of tell us a bit about how they entered the security space. Um, why we ask that is because it's, it's very different and unique per person. And, um, it's always interesting for the audience. So it's just something, if you could talk a little bit about yourself and your, your background there, it'd be awesome. Yeah. Thanks guys. And thanks for having me and congratulations on 133 of these uh, podcasts. And I'll tell you, you made me feel better with the introductions because if you guys don't have it perfect after 133 <laughs> times, then, uh, then, then I'm, and I feel more comfortable uh, hanging out with you guys virtually. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, let me let me start with a little background, and you know, let's get let's go anywhere uh, anywhere you guys or the audience uh, might want us to go. Um, so first of all, first off, I, I'd say uh, let me mention uh, how I got into security, as you asked, uh, Ken. Um, we a, a bunch of uh, of sort of characters. Uh, let's call them entrepreneurs. Uh, we're sitting around, uh, you know, the table in, in Boston uh, about 10 years ago, and we were discussing sort of the big trends happening in the tech industry. And at this point, um, if you can remember back that far, some, some of you may not be able to, I don't blame you, uh, Facebook was not even a public company. It had just sort of been expanding from, you know, a, a private network to colleges and then opening up to, you know, um, to different uh, interest groups, and finally uh, uh, thinking about its own public offering as it as it as it completely opened as a social network. And what uh, what myself and um, my my two uh, much smarter uh, 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 friends uh, got to uh, who who were actually fraternity uh, brothers uh, at MIT. Uh, when they were studying computer science together, whatever a fraternity at MIT means, still haven't figured that out. But um, you know, their concerns were about all of the data that was about to be shared with these social networks by everyone. You know, it was it was one thing when when Facebook and and and, and other uh, social apps, which were all the rage, were all the rage back then. Uh, were, were were more private uh, and 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 private to certain groups, but as they opened up, and now we, we don't even think about uh, 
you know, so social networks or messaging apps being being really private uh, to anyone. As they open up, the concern was, hey, where's all this data going to go? Um, it's going up into the cloud and, you know, what's going to happen to it? And, you know, I was an investor uh, at the time in, in Silicon Valley, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a basically a peon at, at, at SoftBank Venture Capital. And I had just seen a lot of uh, sort of copycat companies all chasing, you know, one thing or another, uh, including a lot of security companies sort of trying to do the same thing over and over because it was wildly popular. And this, uh, this notion of, uh, of what's going to happen to my data uh, in, in an area, in, in an in a era where we're, we're sharing it across all these uh, different platforms and clouds and social networks sounded really interesting to me. And it sounded uh, different enough from what was happening. If the, if the trend in the industry was, hey, let's share everything. Social networking is amazing. Let's, let's lean into it. Let's start all these companies to share data. I wanted to uh, cut the other way uh, and be a contrarian and think about the, the security and privacy of that data. And that's, that's how uh, I got into the business. And that's how uh, we came up with the acronym for the company that, that you mentioned, uh, ABINE. Uh, it's short for a bit is not enough. A bit of privacy and security is not enough. I like it. That's awesome. This looks like Seth's talking, but he's muted. Man, you'd think I could find the mute button after 133 episodes, Rob, but I'm still having problems. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I dig that, you know, you know, kind of background. And I, I mean, I remember 10 years ago, but, you know, the, the gray comes out. So that's that's where that's where we're at. Um, so, you know, from that point then, right, like it sounds like you were you, you came to security more from kind of the investment side of things. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I I was actually not a coder myself. Uh, okay. I had to kind of learn from the outside in as I worked with my co-founders and developers, and I had to I had to have them educate me on, um, you know, Wireshark and other tools, and 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 show me and that that you guys and your your audience knows all about, and show me just how per pervasive. Uh, this data tracking and data collection was behind the scenes, you know, and, and, and I think that's that, that's one of the things that made a big impact on me because I was coming at it more from a average user standpoint when, you know, when you open your browser, you're not aware uh, per se uh, of, of all of the uh, information uh, going back and forth over the over the wire, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's really interesting, right? Like, I, I mean, I know we've had um, guests on from all different kind of backgrounds and everybody, everybody comes to security from their own, you know, or has their own story to tell, I guess I should say. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I just find that that transition there, you know, uh, pretty interesting from, from SoftBank in and coming in from more of a, like, it sounds like you had more of an established career, right? Um, and it wasn't necessarily a, a spin that you were, I don't know if you were considering it in that, you know, before then, is it because you were involved with more security startups or just the, the general, you know, the friends that you had, the other founders that you met up with? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think life is, you know, is kind of random in, in a lot of ways. And, you know, we, we, it would be good if we if we all admitted that uh, a little bit more to <laughs> You know, luck and, and 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 so on has a big impact on on what we do. And I would say that yes, yes, I was involved in investing uh, in some security companies in Silicon Valley, and you know, the year two thousand, two thousand one, two thousand two, and and it was always interesting. But what really drew me to to this area was uh, was sort of the contrarian nature of it and the concern that I thought. Uh, you know, just made a lot of sense to me around what happens to all this data, and mm -hmm. and and that's what led me in. And once you, as many of as many of you guys know, once you once you get into this into this industry, uh, whether it's from the security side or the application developer side or uh, uh, you know what have you, uh, DevOps, it doesn't matter. 
it's it, it's a rat hole, and once you go down it, uh, you can go down pretty. You can fall pretty far. Uh, yep. And 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 I think you know privacy is is starting to shed its skin and come 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 a little bit more into the light. Uh, and it's also got similar, um, you know, so so related to security, but also different. You know, that's something we should talk about later. Yeah, yeah, and it's. Yeah. I, I mean, we, you start to think about, you, th- you think about all the different rabbit holes and I mean, definitely, you know, podcast listeners all have their kind of niche in what they fill and, you know, the spaces that they're at. Um, but we all touch data at some level. Right. And, and I know from a personal perspective as well, right. Like we've always talked about this, like the whole social media aspect of if you don't pay for it and you are the product, you know, you're being sold, your data is being sold to advertisers or to someone else. And so it's interesting to start thinking about, okay, how do you, how do you pull your presence off of that? How do you actually, you know, overwhelm the system? I know you've got delete me is kind of the, the main site or whatever, or the main app that you guys, you know, I don't know if that's the first one that you started with there. Um, but how did you go about approaching that problem? Right. Was it, you know, dealing with companies or was it, you know, uh, I mean, logging into someone's account, deleting posts. I like, how, how do you approach that problem from just a strictly, Hey, I want to take myself off offline. Yeah. Well, we didn't, we, we sort of addressed the problem at tried to address the problem at a higher level. We said, Hey, what's, what's really the problem with all this data going out about us? Is it, is it that the data you know, is that is it is it intrinsically bad, you know, to share data, or is there a way that we can create some sort of equilibrium or balance between the data that we share and and um, and that other uh, third parties have on us and and the data that we control? And so we started sort of with with that as a as a concept, and the product suite that we eventually brought to market was was actually for consumers first. Uh, mm-hmm. And what we what we said was, hey, there's there's three sort of big problems um, with uh, with your data. Uh, one is when you open your browser on your phone or your or your computer, uh, there's all kinds of data leaking out uh, uh, that we don't that the average user, not your audience, never sees. Uh, Third party tracking, fingerprinting, um, the people that in the security industry, we're very familiar with using some of this for security uh, reasons, right? Uh, lo- looking at, um, you know, looking at what devices and creating rules, rule sets for them and, and, and things like that. So there's, and there's just a tremendous amount of, uh, of data collection happening uh, just around your, your IP address and, and your client. And that was uh, one thing uh, that, that we thought needed uh attention and we created a product for it uh, that we call the tracker blocker. And it is similar to an ad blocker in the sense that you install it as an extension to your browser. That's where it lives. And it can, um, it, you know, it has sort of a uh, simple uh, list of the third party data uh, uh, collectors that are most common across the top million websites. Uh, and so those, uh, those calls, uh, at, that happened to those uh, obscure ad ad tech, uh, obscure and not so obscure. You know, ranging from Google Analytics and and Facebook to to the to, to much more longer tail things. The the tracker blocker would catch those um, calls on the client side and not not send them or send dummy data to them. Um, and, and and in that way, uh, ma- making the tracking uh, either. Uh, either useless or, 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 or not happen at all. And so that was the first um, the first part of what we consider to be the privacy problem and the first product that we Okay. Um, should, I, should I go on or do you want to talk about <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, it's, I, I don't know, like, okay, as a, as a developer, I go back and forth on this quite a bit, right? Like from a tracking perspective and user, um, usability right like of applications and being able to know when there's problems and also from a security perspective because all this data 
like you go visit a website and yes, there's the third party trackers, but there's also all the data that the application itself stores about you. Um, there's the stuff that you choose to share on social media that you uh, like that maybe you consider to be private or maybe you just don't know. I mean, how many of those posts have we seen over time, especially from friends and family that they'll post about, oh, you have to go into Facebook and do X, Y, and Z to make sure that Facebook isn't like sharing your data with the Russians, right? Like that's it. I mean, we haven't seen as much of it recently, um, but it's still out there and that stuff still happens. And so that's like, it sounds like the the initial approach was, okay, we're targeting consumers. Um, and like, how, how was the reception there, right? Like, what was your, uh, what consumers yeah. were actually interested in it? Um, how did they well, receive it? It's a good, you know, it, you know, your comment made me think back to to, to when we when we uh, when we first brought it out. And, you know, I think I think consumers generally generally liked it, but they were a little um, I would say they were a little baffled. Um, hey, what's going on here? Uh, you know, is this really helping me? Um, because they can't they couldn't see it that much. And and the category, uh, you know, the products that did the same exact sort of same thing with a little less nuance than us were ad blockers and ad okay. blockers became a huge category uh, yeah. adopted by, you know, hundreds of millions of consumers because, you know, they didn't, they didn't want, uh, you know, uh, as much advertising and, and they could see it working uh, when they installed an ad blocker, you know, pretty much all of the ads, uh, the banner ads and so forth that they, that they saw while browsing were blocked. So, um, you know, I, I think it is a really interesting area where there's security benefits uh, for developers implementing uh, everything from home pages to uh, login screens for applications and so forth, where they're trying to get um, they're trying to get data for uh, you know for rate limiting or abuse or uh, customer verification, and sometimes their techniques and practices can get in the way of these privacy uh, kind of enabling uh, client-side tools, which ultimately want to make the client one of many uh, rather than rather than uh, super unique. And, and I think it's an area where um, application and web developers and, and security engineers and and uh, and privacy uh, tools and services, you know, could do a better job bridging the gap and talking uh, talking together about you know, certain standards or implementation practices that would work well for both sides. Uh, one of the reasons that doesn't happen is, as you guys know, nobody likes to share uh, their secret sauce in this business uh, because they think uh, it'll be reverse engineered and taken advantage of. And that's yet again, another impediment to, uh, to making a smooth consumer experience for browsing the web. Yeah, I, I mean, and and we've we've struggled with this in the security space for years, right? Like some of the ad blocking headers, some of the um, like I even think of like some of the low level like XSS protection headers that we've tried to build into browsers and things like that, or you know, um, what is it? It's uh, it's not HSTS, but the, uh, the, the there was a precursor to that, right? Like we we try to dictate these standards, and then the browser manuf or the browser builders, manufacturers, those developers don't either they they interpret it in a different way, or it's not standardized across them because they don't want to be the same because um, they want to promote theirs over the other, and then. I mean, that leads to the whole new uh, Google, whatever ad tracking that they're going to be doing. Um, Flacco, is that what it's called? Flock. Yeah. Flock, there you go. Yeah. And uh, so, it, like, again, I mean, it all feeds into kind of that privacy idea. And I, everybody's always creeped out about, you know, Facebook or whatever, like popping ads because they're supposedly listening to everyone's phones all the time. And you talk about, you know, visiting, I don't know, Costa Rica or something. And, the, and then the next day you're getting ads popped up on your phone, even though you haven't done any searches about it. Right. Right. And, and so I think that all feeds into this, um, into the, at least these, this feeling that you're being watched, but as a, as a consumer, it's also, okay, how do I prevent that from happening? So ad trackers is where that's a lot of people have turned is, Hey, I want to, I want to just block all the ads uh, just period. 
but how do you, how do you? Yeah, I mean, you know, like, and, again, know. and again, it, you know, to, to your comment, um, I, I think, I, I think my view on this has changed since I've been in the industry, um, and I used to have a more, uh, I'd say, gray, uh, gray area view or opinion that, hey, you know, average, you know, websites, podcasts, everybody needs to make money, you know. We need advertising. It's a necessary, uh, you know, sort of part of the internet, and we have to find the right balance. And I think my my views have changed a little bit to become more extreme uh, in the sense that I do believe uh, you're being watched, and I believe not just watched, surveilled. And I do believe that every practice that Amazon Echo and 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 Google and and your TV manufacturer and uh, your search feed and the third parties that are getting data when you, uh, when you visit uh, websites, those are uh, creating huge, very, very sophisticated data lakes at Google, uh, Amazon, you know, Microsoft, uh, you, know, you name it. And, and I think that the, uh, the algorithms that are running um, ostensibly just to serve us a better advertising product are doing much more than that. And I do think, I do think it's gotten much, much worse to the point where it is, if, it, if they open the full kimono, uh, which they've never done, even in, they've never taken an inch of leg up to be, to be uh, on it. Um, it would be highly concerning. And I think the things with the like 2016 election and, you know, to your point, like Russia conspiracy theories and everything else are starting to highlight to uh, to the average person, hey, there's more going on in the background with all this data I've shared than I ever expected there would be. And that's why I think we're going to see a lot of uh, legislation um, here in the U.S., uh, you know, probably during the Biden administration, because, you uh, it, it, it's hard to see any other way to, uh, to establish a foundation of control for consumers. But, but, but at any rate, let me, let me stop there. No, I mean, it brings up a good point and something that, uh, you know, I've thought a lot about is that like, to your point, yes, at one point this, this was all used to serve at better, to, to better serve ads. But now, you know, we've seen, I, I've thought a lot about the fact that the, the, if someone was to have a complete picture of what you do online. They have a complete picture of you as a person, your behavior, your personality traits, your interests. Um, right now, not a huge deal. But at some point, as things get a little bit more, like I think there's no, there's no denying that there has been uh, a sweeping change politically and um to the point where it's it can be fearful to even express your opinions anymore. You, you you can be afraid to express opinions because it might have ramifications. So as those types of things start to creep into our culture, which is what I feel anyways, and I, again, maybe that's just me and maybe that's just my tinfoil hatness, but having a complete picture and a complete profile of who I am and my dissenting at times, my dissenting thought, Patterns uh, is 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 scary. To, it's, to very, have. It's, very, it's, it's very troubling, I think, and and I don't think it's a tinfoil hat phenomenon. And I'll tell you why. Um, you know, our delete me service, which you know you you guys have sort of mentioned as a social media removal tool. What it what it actually is is you sign up for for our service, join deletemy.com, and, and and you put in your information, basically like you know, your address, your past addresses, the email addresses you use, your phone numbers, you know, this kind of personal information set that you typically use to sort of sign up for places or fill out forms, whether it's offline or online, you give that to us and our privacy advisors and our, you know, search tools behind the scenes go out and find uh, where that information uh, uh, resides at different data brokers. And there's, there's dozens, if not hundreds of these data brokers now out there that um, collect uh, and correlate all this uh, information about us, turn it into profiles, and basically sell those profiles both online, so it's easily search on Google, and they also sell them to other businesses, which they do not name. And so to your point about the culture changing, 
uh, when you're expressing an opinion. What we've seen, uh, and we're and in the delete me service, by the way, it's not cheap. It's 129 dollars a year, and it, and we do run it all year, and, and and you get these reports that show you exactly where your information was found, exactly where it was removed, and people love that. But it, but again, I'd go back to the point where where this is not a cheap service, right? This is a significant investment for many people uh, in terms of this kind of spending. I don't, I don't have a lot of these, these kind of services and, they're, and, and we're doubling or tripling revenues every year and, and businesses are signing up and consumers are signing up. And now why are they? Because they are experiencing this culture that you're talking about, Ken, which is they express an opinion, whether it's on social, you know, Twitter or Facebook or something else, and somebody goes and Googles them and finds something about them, their family, where they live, and they make a threat. They harass them. They use it in, in uh, you know, scary uh, ways. And you don't know who's going to do that and when in this particular culture, which has become such a, you know, boy, boiling pot for, you know, opinions and, 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 and so forth. And it's scaring people and, and, and it should. And, and, and then, you know, the, the threat can go quickly from an online form, which is obviously relatively safe, uh, at least from a physical standpoint, to, uh, you know, to an offline physical threat. And that, that, that you know, has a lot of people deeply concerned. And, you know, that, that's one of the reasons that, it, you know, our service is, uh, is growing so quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, suppression of thought and, and, opinions is is something that is is very scary i think to a lot of people and you know again we we talked about this um i don't know within the last six months i don't remember when well i guess whenever parlor went down we or was brought down you know we we talked about some of the the side ramifications that maybe people would not consider which is like look you're we saw that when tech giants didn't like a certain platform they took them down you know and we see the, the again, the, I, I see it anyways. Uh, I don't know, Seth, I don't want to lump you in, but I see these, the, the tech giants, especially when, I, when it comes to social media specifically, being the folks that are sort of, they're in control. They're in the driver's seat. And um, like I said, it gets a little scary to think of somebody having uh, as, as much information. Like, honestly, I'm less concerned about the information that someone like LexisNexis uh, uh, stores about me, right? Because we've got protections for like fraud and for your, you know, abuse of your social security number and uh, your date of birth and your medical information and all that, that we've, 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 we've at least got some protections around, uh, around that. Um, and so it's less of a concern for me as a person than just like, yeah, being, being monitored um, more personally like that. So um I did have, I uh, did want to expand upon what you touched, what you touched on there for a second. Um, because, you know, like the, the, here, I'll just put it up on the screen. So Ken Toller and I just totally blocked you out. So let me pin you real quick. Sorry. Uh, still blocking you out. Um, but we did want to expand a little bit about, um, you know, anything you can share with us about tracking and your thoughts in general from like Facebook owning Oculus VR. And obviously within the Oculus, there are, yes, you can play games, but there's a lot more that you can do inside of there. Um, And let me take this off the screen. Um, So yeah, just curious to hear a little bit about your thoughts there. Yeah. And I think it's a great question. I think the combination of hardware monitoring products uh, driven uh, by, uh, the, the big social uh, media companies or just rather big tech um, is tremendously concerning. Uh, I, I'm sure it's no surprise to hear me say that because I'm biased and I run a privacy company, but I really do believe that um, the, the, tr- the huge investment in product development that uh, Facebook, Amazon, and, 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 and M&A, uh, also Facebook, Amazon, Google are making to try to get into your home uh, is, uh, is absolutely something to be concerned about. And, you know, in most cases, uh, people and families are welcoming, um, these, these products into their home and, and, and actually paying, uh, to expand the surveillance, uh, and, and algorithmic, uh, 
you know, sort of monitoring uh, from big tech right down to, you know, their breakfast table or their television uh, in their living room. And, you know, it, it feels to me very similar to 10 years ago almost in, when we talk about the digital home um, because it, it, it feels exciting and fun, just like uh, sharing things on Facebook used to feel 10 years ago. Hey, this is really cool. This is new. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Um, you, you know, hey, you know, tell my, you know, talk to my TV screen. Look at my ring doorbell. Uh, it's, it's neat. And you can feel that sort of excitement on the consumer side and the people that are building uh, these products. Uh, you know, hopefully some of some some are listening. You know, I think they've they've. I was reading the uh, last week, the, the whole page that Alexa had had come up with for, for, for their privacy page, uh, written and designed to communicate the privacy settings for consumers. And it's almost like somebody with 10 years of experience in this business like me reads through that page and, and they're like, wow, I mean, this is, this is fantastic marketing, but there's no setting here. There's, there, there really isn't, um, or, or at least I'd love to have that debate. So I think, I think it's very hard to have your cake and eat it too with these uh, products, these hardware products. I think they're constantly monitoring you and you have to really want the, the everyday benefits more than, um, than having concern about this data being used in, in you know, unknown ways in the future, which is really, I think, the, the concern, not can I get better advertising? Because that, that's not a big deal to me. Yeah. No, that's that's what I mean. Is I, I think it's a, it's a normal we set again something Seth and I have talked about numerous times both on the podcast and at like I remember talking about this Seth at a panel in Australia like in twenty nineteen ish which where where it was a question about like are you concerned about those types of smart devices and the answer was I'm more concerned that we're normalizing that for future generations that it's okay to give up privacy for comfort and convenience and I think like. And safety, right? I mean, this is this has become a theme. I feel like, but um, yeah, you just we're basically like normalizing that for future generations, and uh, it's interesting, man. It's very interesting. Yeah, you well, know, one of one of the things that we were told when we started the company by um, investors who didn't want to invest in it was, and we were told this repeatedly, repeatedly by venture capitalists, all up and all you know, all up and down Silicon Valley was. Thanks, guys. Don't want to invest in privacy because the younger generation doesn't care about it. Um, and and we just heard that all the time. It's very hard to raise money for a privacy company back then. I think times have finally changed, and and there's money flowing in now. But the, that 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 opinion was 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 absolutely uh, you know the, the the prevalent one. And I think what. You know, it's interesting to talk to teenagers and 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 and, and young younger uh, millennials and, and and things like that because they're the first generation that's grown up, obviously, with all this technology uh, around them, and uh, you know they don't think twice about it, and they're on their devices all the time, and especially during COVID, I mean that that, that has just become you know the way that this this generation you know spends its time together, sadly. Uh, and, and, and but I don't think what's happened is they don't at least from from what we, we hear anecdotally and you know from our uh, you know the limited data we have on our customers we I don't think what's happened is they, they, they are willing to share everything and they don't think about it at all uh, rather they are very much more careful than the uh, uh, older generation about their online personas. They're, they're actually very careful about it. And if you talk to them and interview them, they'll say, hey, I share this kind of stuff with my family on Facebook. I share this other stuff on Snapchat. I got this messenger for this, this game for that. And so what they're really doing is they're, they're, um, they're doing something that, with, that, that we think is very important. It's sort of part of our third product that I haven't talked about, uh, which is they're compartmentalizing their online activities so that they can create personas in different domains that make sense and reflect what they want, not a unified uh, surveillance profile that that is, you know, 
the same that is the, the the truest authentic expression of of who they are and i think it's actually a sophisticated response by the younger generation to the data environment that they that they were born into and i i mean that's interesting because that that goes back to kind of the the whole tinfoil hat uh, wearing days from from 20 years ago right i remember signing up for Twitter and for Facebook. And, you know, when people are like, oh, well, I'm going to share everything. It was always like the security community community always came into it as, yeah, you probably want to be more nuanced than that. Right. Like that was always my discussion with friends and family was, um, yeah, we just don't share that. Right. Like t- telling my wife, like we, she just got into this habit that uh, like it was very, very compartmentalized. Like, what is it that I publicly put out there? And it was because of the tinfoil hat that I was wearing. Like, we're definitely more public about kind of this like work interface that we have through Twitter and some of the other channels. But I think that that nuanced view of social media um, wasn't always the case, right? Ten years ago. So it's interesting that the the younger generation has picked up on that, and that's how they're using it. Um, but that that doesn't necessarily help their parents either, right? Like the stuff that is shared by, you know, some of the older generation is still uh, quite concerning, I guess, right? Is I, I, is the only thing that I can think of there. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I, I think the security community has has always practiced what they preached, at least in, in my experience dealing with, all my developers, all my security friends, a bunch of our customers. And one good example is just email. Um, most of the security uh, folks that I know have long used different emails or dot, dot emails or, you know, their own domain, um, you know, alias, you know, as they sign up for things to do this, you know, a form of this compartmentalization that I'm talking about. It allows you to track who's, got your email, which email you're giving out and so forth. And, you know, one of our other products called now called Blur, um, you know, allows consumers to, to sort of do this easily and create, you know, disposable or reusable uh, email aliases as they're signing up for things. And, and, you know, it's one of the attempts we made to try to bring the practices that we saw happening uh, in, in by security professionals into a more consumer friendly uh form and you know i think that's been a very very popular uh feature yeah i, I mean that that's where i i, I go I, I mean that's where i appreciate what you guys are doing over there at a bind because it's uh like when i when i talk to friends and family i know that they don't have like if they're non-technical they don't have that discipline right like i know they're just using the same email and the same password for everything and then you know just trying them to get them to use like pass phrases and different passphrases or password keepers for, you know, different sites is a difficult, difficult thing to do. And I know the danger of it. And then, I, you know, I mean, even as simple as running like malware scans and, you know, virus scanners, uh, they, they, they have a tendency to forget about it or to not do it. And then I get the call of, hey, come, my computer's being slow. And I'm like, well, it's because your data is being sent to, you know, four different countries every time that you open it up. But and, and so that I, that's where I was going to is like that's where I appreciate somebody actually trying to make that easier for consumers. Um, and I see that Blur also has like a password, uh, you know, utility. Yeah, so, so the, you know, I, I would say, look, um, Blur, so the, the this other product that we developed to to, to again, all the rewind back to, you know, the problems that we were trying to solve in privacy when we started the company was, hey, I have to give out for okay, maybe I'm blocking all the third-party tracking that I can, and that's great. You know, I feel more private when I browse around. But now I have to go to websites and sign up and, and register and give out my, my information explicitly, not implicitly. So what do I do about that? What do I do about that problem? And Blur was built as a password manager that deeply embedded into its, its, its uh, product architecture was aliasing, or what we call masking, uh, germane to the pandemic, um, of your of your personal information. So every time you click into a field that wants your email address, your um, your phone number, your credit card, you have a choice. Hey, you want to share? Do you trust this? These guys are they your bank? You should probably share your real email and your real phone number with the bank. Um, but if 
if they're, you know, some company you're shopping at one time or they're making you go through a paywall to, to get something that you, you, you may or may not use, you probably don't want to share. Or if they had a data breach recently, you probably don't want to share your real personal information. And Blur was designed to give you as many aliases for as many um, uh, registrations or, or, you know, relationships with websites or apps that, as you wanted and, and even allow you to pay them with a credit card that wasn't your real credit card. So that was the, the design of it. And, and to your point um, about ease of use, you know, we tried to integrate it into the password manager so that it was no different feeling for somebody than when they choose it to make a strong password from a password manager or from their web browser. I would, the last thing I would say is it's hard to make this stuff easy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, there's a reason that we haven't seen it progress too far. And then on top of that as well, right? Like we're like, Oh, you know, things like 2FA, right. Or, you know, two factor authentication. Um, what happens? It comes out and everybody's like, Oh, we're going to send you a code over your phone. And then the the security industry figures out a way that we can exploit that and actually take over like people's cell phone accounts. Right. It, it, it feels like, at times we we undermine our own authority with um, and and our own recommendations to consumers, um, and I, yeah, I I don't envy non technical people trying to step into the space and figure out what to do because you know it, you know it used to be that oh you know all I have to do is create a password and you're giving me these like four different things that I have to do. It has to be eight characters, at least eight characters long and have numbers and letters and, you know, okay, that, then it, then it's secure. And that's the feeling that they walk away from, you know, for their online banking account. Um, but they don't. Yeah. But then they end up using that same password for Facebook, right. Or for LinkedIn or other places that they trust and, Go, going back to Ken's point earlier, right, that it's the companies that are in charge of that data uh, when it comes down to it. And when they get breached, it's the consumers that pay the price. Exactly. I, yeah. And and so I like I don't know what to do. And and I wanted to flip this a little bit. I know there's this point from um, from Ken as well again, but um, I wanted to flip this because we, you know, we do have 15 minutes left and and ask you what you think that like developers, so not from a consumer perspective, but from a developer and like company perspective, what do you feel like developers should be doing to help out in these use cases, right? Because um, I, I know we, you know, we know people that work for Netflix and for Facebook and other places, and they're trying to protect data, but it's not necessarily under their purview. So what would you suggest? Yeah, I was afraid you were going to ask this question. Um, <laughs> It's been on my list since we, we started talking, but yes, go ahead. You know, I spent some time several years ago with, uh, with folks that were espousing privacy by, by design uh, as, a, as a cliched term and a, and a sort of software development uh, methodology, uh, so to speak. And my takeaway after looking at that, talking to developers, uh, you know, working in this industry is that it's really, it's a tough one. Um, and, and the developers and security professionals out there are in a tough place. And I don't believe it's realistic to come on a podcast like this and say, yeah, you know, you should really pay attention to what data you're tracking and minimize the metadata and blah, 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 because I think it's a lot of horseshit. Um, I think that developers are not uh, in control yeah. of uh, making decisions that are pro-privacy at the application layer, at the data layer. Uh, they're really generally not the ones with authority to make the decisions on those data models and how that data is piped across, replicated, and, and stored. Um, and, and, and I think, uh, you know, them speaking up will probably be seen as, uh, you know, as heresy, basically. And, and you know, I, I think that if you look at what the smartest companies are doing, a.k.a. Google, in my opinion, um, they are trying to get ahead of this issue by things like 
that you, that you touched on, like Flock, where they're eliminating third-party cookies now that they have a monopoly over the browser, yeah. uh, and 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 doing things that are logically, technically sophisticated, client-side data processing, uh, and and you know, sort of algorithms that could be privacy invasive, running only uh, running only on the client, sharing data back selectively. Uh, with the server, and, and you know, and, and and I think that architecture is one that we lost, you know, with with ten years of cloud development, and I think should come back. So I think if there's one, so I'm so I guess to summarize, one, I'm a little skeptical uh, that I have anything good to say for uh, developers or DevOps people that want to be pro privacy, but two, I would say look to the kinds of things Google is doing. And, and and think about the client side as a as a uh, place to process data that's particularly sensitive, um, and share back with the server sort of what you need to know. So the server acts as a sort of a more need to know basis when uh, you know when it comes to the exchange of information that could be you know highly sensitive or highly private, and let the let the user opt into having the the um, the logic run on on the client side. Yeah. No, I I mean I think that's a good recommendation, right? Like it, it exactly what you're saying. I I I fear especially someone new coming into a company that doesn't have that control, you know, all of a sudden be, you know telling them, "Hey, you shouldn't be storing all this data. They're going to be viewed as contrarian. They're going to be viewed as uh, you know, tinfoil hat. Oh, don't don't ask him about it, like because we we need all this data to make money, or you know, that's the the company is built around it. You know, the, if they don't have it, maybe they don't have a job, right? So you, you're absolutely right. Um, maybe in some cases, but there is a case for those same developers to 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 make a point about the less that we we take from folks, the less we need to be concerned about from a legal standpoint, or if we're breached. Yeah, much more and, 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 and to your point, Ken, it's coming. The legal ramification, and that's why Google's out ahead of this thing. It's not because they they they, they really care, in my opinion. It's because they want to be ahead of the legal wave of privacy legislation and consumer rights that is that is coming. And it's and it's you know it's happening all around the world, and it's going to happening in certain states in the U.S. and 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 I believe it's going to happen you know nationally. So the, you know the more I think about it, the more the more I I, I do think. For for there there are there are things that developers can can do and can think about, you know, and 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 one of them is is, is giving, so one of them is data deletion, right? Um, the the ability to in instrument the code that you're creating to enable a sort of trace route type of deletion across what is a unique member ID or something like that, because that will be a almost guaranteed a requirement of future legislation. And if you don't think about that when you're building the applications or the databases or the security um, layers of, uh, of an application paradigm, it becomes very, very messy to implement it post hoc. So that's yep. another concrete thing. And I think that developers that that, that that do that and do it thoughtfully will um, you know will be in high demand going forwards by uh, you know by companies. When when GDPR kicked in, um, we had to. So I work for GitHub, right? So um, we had to build in functionality to allow you to basically. Um, we had to go back, and it was actually more to your point. It's 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 actually more difficult to go back and do a create functions that allow you to export um, all of your stuff uh, easily so that it can be ported over to another platform to be forgotten, so to speak, on the platform. It is actually harder to go back after the fact and do that if you don't plan for that. So, um, and I, I'm saying, cause I actually did the review of that functionality. So I'm, I'm keenly aware of, of, of that fact. So. Well, that's something, a, something to think about. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's interesting, right? Because security and privacy are like, we are always kind of talk about them um, side by side, but they are definitely two different um, concepts and two different aspects of developing an application. But we have this same discussion about security, right? Like if we don't build security in early, it becomes more expensive to do it after the fact. 
And we should be having that same discussion about privacy here, right? If we build privacy in early, the ability to delete, the ability to you know, control what data is stored or how it's actually used, um, it's going to be less expensive if we do that in the, you know, in, from a software development perspective in the requirements phase and just build it into the application, then trying to bolt it on after the fact. Um, and that's where I think GDPR, um, the California privacy regulations, right? Like, I think that's where those have been so hard for companies to implement or to align with is because of the expense that goes into it. They've been thinking about security or Security and privacy is one in the same when they probably shouldn't be. Hundred percent. You know, I, I think that's absolutely correct. And, and and I don't think you know the other point I make is I don't think it's just about technical compliance. Mm-hmm. Um, and for developers, uh, I think my other you know my other thought is, hey, don't don't be totally myopic. Uh, I think privacy, obviously, I'm biased, but I think privacy does present new opportunities for developers. If you're working at a company and you see them paying complete lip service and the data is a god awful mess and it's everywhere and you know there's absolutely no concern uh, for privacy in, in your company or in the category of application that your company is developing, there may be an opportunity to go outside and start a company uh, you know, with a similar product or service that is privacy respecting. If you talk to Gabriel DuckDuckGo and some of the other, uh, you know, privacy companies that I, uh, you know, that I talk with regularly, there is enough demand now finally by consumers and by businesses for, um, you know, for services that are privacy first and can really stand up and and say, hey, we respect your data, you know, this, that, and the other thing and, and can show and prove that that is true. Uh, that there are real business opportunities, and and the venture capital uh, industry is is investing, and 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 uh, you know I think it shouldn't be lost on people that you know they're 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 always you know you can always think like an entrepreneur. It's at least inspiring, yeah, and hopeful. <laughs> or makes me hopeful. Hopeful. So so mm-hmm. we should become uh, privacy nihilists now too. Is that what? No. Mm-hmm. Um, privacy optimists. Privacy optimists. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Actually, well, um, it, at least until um, at least until facial recognition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, widely rolled out. Yeah, you know, and and that's the thing that again, the, the tinfoil hat side is like, you know, you see in China, they're using AI, they're using um, biometrics, and they're creating fingerprints and tracking uh, citizens and penalizing those that have dissenting opinions that are not pro-government. And yes, that's China, but how long until that's elsewhere, right? Yeah. China is absolutely a global power. Yeah. So these are the things that concern me. I well, and I, I mean, having, cause I had to go, I mean, Ken knows this, like when we worked together, I went to China for, you know, a few, like a couple, it was a couple of months, right? But it was it was very was interesting. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it was very interesting to kind of feel that like level of kind of, of scrutiny and like what was accepted. And this kind of goes back to like we the normalization of lack of privacy. Uh, you know, is the more that we give up when we you know we we've had these freedoms or we've had this like privacy for so long and we're giving it up for convenience or we're giving it up for security or whatever other thing that is interesting to us uh it like we you don't get that back right the companies know it and when they get breached what happens right those those data lakes are what scares me or what you know when it gets pushed to a huge data analytics firm or you know another country another like somebody that's going to use that nefariously what can they do with that can they build a profile of you like your online activities your online yeah, I, I, it, sure. it's just an interesting, interesting problem. So I, I, I believe it's everything that you guys touched on is, is 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 super relevant. And you know, I spend some time in China myself, uh, you know, from a business perspective uh, rather than from a privacy perspective. And you know, I personally, I love the Chinese people and I hate their government. And and uh, obviously, it's probably a cliche statement for somebody that runs a privacy company, but I do think. Uh, 
you know, China is is sort of the canary in the coal mine here. Is that where, you know, is that where we're skating towards, uh, you know, or not? And I, I, I think that these issues are, you know, they, they come down to, you know, your personal freedoms, right? And we're going to have to draw a line somewhere because the technology uh, right now has progressed and is continuing to progress to the point where a few buttons can be pushed and we are China. So yeah. it is it is literally going to be up to us as an industry, as a government um, to, you know, and as a collection of, you know, you know, citizens to decide where to draw those lines. And I think the last 10 years of the technology industry has been unfettered, you know, growth and, and, and connectivity and data sharing and everything else. And I think that this, you know, the, the 2020s are really going to be about where do we draw those lines as the technology continues to um, to ve- to develop at its own pace, which it will always do. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I think it's up to us as individuals. And if you're pro freedom, you should be pro privacy, you know, take, take the responsibility and the accountability. Wow. There's so much to unpack here today. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I'm coming away with warm fuzzies here, Rob, come on. Like you were supposed to, <laughs> <laughs> but but no, it's it's it, it's no. it's about what I expected, right? Like being in the space, we see that. Um, but I do see it more from a technical perspective because, you know, I, I mean, we're in the code. It's like the data that we're retrieving. I know what I can get out of a browser. I know what like what's being sent, and it's interesting to hear your take on. Okay, we're trying to protect that now, or we're trying to give consumers at least some some modicum of control. Look, I think if I was to put a silver lining on this, and I do think there is one, it's that you, you know, anyone can do a few simple things and get a reasonably appreciably better amount of privacy in their daily life, whether they use delete me or, you know, move themselves from data brokers, minimize the amount of, you know, sharing they have on social media, use, you know, unique passwords, uh, use a tracker blocker, an ad blocker, you know, all those things are, are not rocket science these days. And the tools, whether it's ours or others, are getting better and better. So that those and those things do make a difference. You, you know, talk to Edward Snowden, talk to, to, to us. Um, they actually do make a difference when you le- have less unique identifiers out there with third parties to connect them together. Uh, you will see a dramatic downturn in the in the data profiles that are out there about you. This coupled with legislation you know, rolling out from California East uh, is, is, is actually gonna, I think, um, put people, you know, three or four years from now in a much better place in terms of their rights and ability to control their data and their privacy than they are today. So I think that's the silver lining. Yeah. No. And I, I mean, I think that's a good, uh, a good point. I mean, we want to be uh, cognizant of your time because you've given it to us here, but you know, we've, we've been going for an hour and, but I, I think that's a, that's kind of a good bow to put on it is um, there are things that you can do and just realizing that, that it's out there and the ability is there. And then from a developer or like security professional perspective, you know, sharing that with friends and family and, and pushing them that direction. Like when they ask what they can do, give them concrete steps to take or places to go. hundred percent. That is your job. All, all security developers and, and, and conscious professionals, your job is to go educate, you know, your 100, uh, your social circle, your, your social network should be to, to educate, uh, you know, and, and, and further these principles. It's really important in my opinion. Yep. Yeah, well, we're, yeah, Ken's popping that up there now. Um, you know, if you're interested, go go take a look. Um, like I said, we're, we're very appreciative of you coming on and sharing your opinions, your backstory, how you've gotten into it, and your expertise, right? Like, it, it's, it's super interesting. We'll keep the conversation going, I'm sure. Um, on Slack and Twitter and other places, but is there um, any place like if people wanted to continue this conversation with you specifically or with a bind, like how would they reach you? Um, are you guys on social sure. media? Um, right. You know. Um, first of all, you can you can reach us through our websites, uh, and you can also reach me directly, Rob at at abind.com. Um, okay. And ha- happy to uh, c- continue the conversation with anybody or at. 
you know, uh, field questions. Uh, we do it all the time. Awesome. Okay. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll send that out to the world as well with everything else. And um, yeah, I, I think that's, I mean, that's everything for, for now. We don't want to uh, impinge on your time too much because we're, yeah, we're appreciative of the help and the, and the discussion. Um, Ken, any last minute thoughts before we call it for today? No, just thank you, Rob. This was awesome. Very, uh, I, I, yeah, very, very fun conversation. Very relevant. So thank you for that. And uh, thank you for all the, all the folks that listened today. Yep. Thanks for having me. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll, we'll be back next week. All right.